You are listening to LP Uncovered, a music podcast hosted by myself, Lauren Plant. On this episode, I'm joined by the American singer-songwriter and lead vocalist of the band, my double, my brother, Joel Hasemeyer. Joel founded the group with friends Bo and Matt, who all met in their college's music conservatory. In 2011, the LA band released their debut album, What We Found Beneath the Ground. 12 years on, and my double, my brother, are back with their fourth studio album, Something to Hold. The record is a collection of short stories, vignettes, and dramatic monologues about people trying to make sense of their place in the modern world, trying to find purpose, hope, meaning, and love in moments that are fleeting and in a life that is a constant state of flux. Joel discusses each track off the record, detailing the different stories and encounters. So let's uncover my double, my brother's brilliant fourth studio album, Something to Hold. Thank you so much for coming on LP Uncovered this week to talk about his new album with the band My Double, My Brother, Joel Hasmeyer. Hello. Hey. How's it going? Good, good. How about you? Yeah, really good. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on to talk about your fourth album with My Double, My Brother, Something to Hold. It's been out, well, by the time we're recording this, is it just over a week? Just over a week, yeah. Yeah, yeah, nice. What's the response been like? What's it? Yeah, how's it been putting it out there? Yeah, it's been great. Um, it's been been cool to hear uh, people's positive responses and just people um, connecting with uh, different songs. And you know, uh, I think that's one of the fun things about releasing a record is um, kind of everyone has their favorite song. And so yeah, it's been it's been really fun. I have to ask you a little bit later on what your favorite song of the record is. But obviously, since 2011 with the band, this is now your fourth album. How did this album change or what are the differences between this album and in particular your last album, Filaments, in uh, 2020? Yeah, so um, I feel like each record that we've done has been pretty different um, as far as our approach to writing, as well as the way that we've gone about producing and, and recording. So this one was a bit different. Um, Filaments, we actually produced it ourselves. Right. Um, and we did some like home recording, some studio recording. Um, but with this one, uh, we booked several weekends in the, stu- in the studio with John O'Brien. Yeah, just kind of knocked it out that way. We did a lot of um, sort of creating and um uh, doing a lot of the arrangements and stuff in the studio, um, which was a lot of fun. We kind of went into the studio not knowing exactly how things were going to turn out. And so sort of trusting the process of being in the studio, whereas I think with Filaments and some other records um, before that, there was a lot of like sort of constructing the sound before demoing a lot and then mm-hmm. kind of going in and recording from there. So that was a really fun thing about this this record was kind of trusting John O'Brien and using the studio as sort of a, a way to uh, generate ideas and, and stuff like that. So, How long was the process altogether of you kind of working with John? Uh, I think we did it over the course of three weekends, maybe four. Some of those weekends were maybe extended, like four-day weekends or something like that. But um, So, yeah, it was probably a total of like 
12 to 16 days I want to say oh, nice nice yeah yeah how did you get in contact with John or did you reach out to him yeah um we've actually been friends for a while um, because he produced and engineered our record shelves which came out in 2016 and so uh when he produced that we kind of became close friends and um we've been working together ever since so I'll I'll toss him demos a lot and he'll send me some ideas and I've actually done some um design work for him and we've done some some trades and stuff like that and um yeah so we keep in touch quite a bit so um was really excited to to get back into having him produce this whole record for us so and talking designing you yourself designed the cover of the artwork is that right I did yeah yeah I did all the artwork for this record yeah yeah, yeah, what was that process like? Because you're are you a graphic designer. I'm a graphic designer. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. It's it's fun. You know, um, at times it's like a little exhausting to wear like all these different hats. You know, but also really fun to like figure out what you want. And yeah, you know, I I got the artwork that I wanted. And uh, yeah, it's 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 really fun um, having you know different skills to be able to put into my project and stuff. Yeah, really cool. And the artwork definitely seems to like encompass the whole album. At what point did you do the artwork? I guess was it once pretty much you got all tracks done and everything like that? Yeah, it, um, while it was being mixed and uh, mastered, I did the um, the album artwork, and then I actually did single artwork for each of the singles that we had released. I think we released four or five singles for this record, so it was really fun to kind of figure out like a style and sort of like brand the record and then kind of create a bunch of different artworks around it. Um, yeah. Sometimes it felt like I was a little in over my head. Um, Cause it was like, anytime we had to, you know, I wanted to release a single or whatever. It's like, okay, I got to do this artwork. Yeah. Too. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's good. It's fun. Yeah. Really cool. And just yeah. the title in general for the album, um, where did the title come from? Cause obviously it's not necessary. Uh, title of a song yeah it comes from the song a little light mm-hmm. um and the the lyric is it's not perfect but it's something to hold when we finished the record we were thinking about you know different names and different lyrics that might uh work well um as a as an album title that one just really stood out because it it felt like a lot of these stories from the record are about people searching for for hope and and um essentially people searching for just something to hold, to hold on to um, while they sort of face the the confusion and the anxiety and the uncertainty of, of modern life. So it's kind of like all these characters just, they found something to hold, even though it may not be the perfect thing. Yeah, that's makes yeah. total sense actually. And like it really does like encompass the whole album. And so to go track by track, obviously you start with Eurydice. I said that right? Eurydice. Yeah, yeah. So what we should say, obviously, is that the album itself is a collection of these short stories and dramatic monologues um, about people trying to make sense of their place in the modern world. And I suppose in particular in this song, what is the story behind it? Yeah, so it's kind of this story about like an impromptu date between two people after meeting in group therapy. And they kind of go to this pinball bar and then um, the speaker never sees this, this girl again. Um, And so he's sort of reflecting on this time and kind of wondering, you know, 
what happened to this this girl that he um, had such a great time with. So, like obviously, the whole concept of each song being this story or or these like characters, I suppose, in your mind. How much do you enjoy writing from that perspective? Uh, you mean like from a from like a narrative? Uh, yeah, yeah. I suppose it being more characters. This isn't this isn't based off, I guess, someone you know. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just sort of um, sort of characters that I'm inventing, and I think a lot of them are maybe um, maybe versions of of people that I, I I know or met, or maybe versions of experiences I've had that are maybe amplified or something like yeah. that. But um, yeah, I, I found a lot of freedom. Uh, this is a, a style of writing that I've kind of come to later in my um, writing career, and. Uh, I found a lot of freedom in narrative storytelling because I think that there is maybe deeper truths that I can access through narrative storytelling. Um, because I think when you're sort of writing autobiographically, um, there maybe are sometimes limitations to you're sort of limited to telling what actually happened, you know, maybe embellishing that or something. But I have personally found a lot of freedom in sort of exploring truth through the lens of fictional characters are there any artists you know in particular that also adopt that as their kind of songwriting or anyone that you kind of leaned into when creating this album yeah um i think some of my favorite songwriters do a lot of storytelling writers like bruce springsteen um craig finn from the hold steady um john darniel from the mountain goats john k samson from the weaker thens um so those are some of my my favorite artists so uh, yeah. And what made you put this song at the beginning of the record? Um, I think it was John, John O'Brien's um, uh, recommendation. He he was pretty insistent on um, on this song being the first one. He, he just really liked how it felt. I was thinking maybe of putting it later in the record because it has maybe breaks up some of the, um, you know, kind of has a slower feel to it. It's also in a three, four time signature. So I thought, you know, maybe maybe it would serve the record better to put it later. But um, John was like, no, 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 you got to put it first. It's like it just feels so good. And um, I think it it would really grab people's attention. And it's the first record that we've done where there is uh, the record starts with a slow song like this. And so, yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was that was nice um, to sort of break up the flow of what we've done in the past as well. And um, Yeah. group therapy I asked if you'd stay out with me yeah I think there's something quite nice about like kind of gradually like drawing the listener in and then kind of giving them chance to like settle into the album a little bit that's kind of how I um, interpret it when I listen but then that as a result works in really well with the second song Beggars kind of starting with this like string sound and then the powerful drums and guitar can you go into details about the story behind this one so it's about a young man dealing with the the fallout the death of his brother yeah yeah so um yeah it's a it's a guy dealing with the death of his brother and sort of not 
really fully understanding what um, death can mean until it until it happens. And I, I think that's an experience that I've had in my life a lot where you don't fully understand the depth of an emotion until it's like almost too late. And then sort of um, as a result, kind of having this character sort of having these panic attacks and dealing with his own anxiety around death. So, yeah. A lot of your songs are obviously really lyrically jam-packed. What was that like performing them live? Like, do you ever forget your own lyrics? Um, I do occasionally. Um, but I think I have like these like markers within the verses where I can sort of like, if I miss the entrance, then I can sort of pick it up. Yeah. Um, but I think also if I if I can get that entrance, like it, the rest of it just sort of rolls out. But there has been times where I've I've forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised. Yeah. But then I feel like all musicians get that. Like also in terms of you as a, a singer, when would you say you first realized that you could sing? Um, I think I like fantasized about singing when I was like a like a really little kid. Um, I have a a brother who is older than me and my, my dad sings as well. And um, so my brother and my dad would like sing duets together. And it was kind of like, that was their thing. But I kind of was like, I think I can do this too, you know? <laughs> and then, yeah, I think in uh, like middle school, I formed a band with my friends and I was like, I'm the singer of the band, you know? So um, that was kind of maybe when I, when I owned it, um, even though that was like, yeah, just kind of a fantasy as well. But where did you, Bo and Matt, meet then for the band? We met um, in college um, at our school's conservatory. Yeah, right. And that's that's in LA. Yes, that's in LA. Yeah. Ah, cool. Were you all studying yeah. the same thing, or were you like on uh, same accommodation? Hang on, is this like uni or no? Sorry, college is. Yeah, university. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Okay, yeah, right. You, Just kidding. Yeah, it was like a four-year. Yeah, university. Yes, uni. Um, sorry. Right. Yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I studied music for a year in college, and uh, I switched uh, to an English major. But Bo was studying like he's a French French horn, classically trained French horn player, and then um, Matt did the same thing. He came in to study percussion and. He also studied um, like engineering, and so he switched. But we kind of all met like through through that, even though we sort of went different paths with our education. Right, right. And I suppose with your like uh, when creating an album, is it very much you will go to Bo and Matt and kind of put forward all the songs? And is it very much like a group process and kind of? picking out the songs right for the album or yeah is it a collective decision or is it quite yeah yeah um for this one it was a lot of it was spearheaded by me and i think well most of these songs were written in the midst of the pandemic so we didn't really have a lot of opportunities to get together we sort we were doing a lot of stuff um i was sending them stuff and they would send stuff back so this one was kind of like I kind of put the songs together, uh, put some demos together, some really rough demos. And I actually sent them to John and he, he sort of went through and picked some of his favorites. Yeah. And then I sent some of them to the guys and they did a few demos here and there. Um, But it was, I think it was kind of like, I was like, okay, these are the songs we're doing on the record. Whereas in the past, I think it was a lot more collaborative. Um, But yeah, that just seemed to work well for this, this record. 
And the third song on the record, Running Fumes. So um, you've kind of spoken about it being a cynic observes the internet sleuthing of young people surrounding the disappearance of a young woman. And um, there's obviously quite a lot of reference to kind of like modern day life, internet and things like that throughout the album. How much does it help you kind of self-reflect on how the internet and things like that has an impact on you when putting it into song? Yeah, um, I think it just feels like natural to me to um, like it's such a big part of our existence. You know, it doesn't feel particularly particularly poetic to write about the internet. You know, <laughs> yeah. um, but I think that feels like a like a really fun challenge to me to to um, speak about these things that we're all interacting with on a day to day basis, and to put it in a song, it feels. It feels, I don't know, it feels like honest to me that, yeah, this thing that, you know, we're observing all the time. What would you say your, like, relationship is with social media and things like that? Are you someone that enjoys being active on it as, like, a band and obviously trying to promote yourselves? Or is it feel like more of a, like, a, oh, I think I've got to go on social media and plug this and plug that? Um, yeah, I mean, self-promotion is not my favorite thing. Um I, yeah, I guess like social media is like a love hate relationship. Um, you know, I, I, I feel the, the sirens call of social media, you know, and, and sort of begging me to always, uh, take part in it, um, as just an individual, as well as, um, the necessity of being in a band and so essential for connecting and, and networking. Um, there are times where I think like, you know, Maybe I should just like delete all social media or whatever. Um, but then it's like, well, I can't really do that because got to tell people about, you know, music and, and uh, shows and stuff like that. So I, I think it's also taxing on, you know, the, on the soul and, and on culture. And I, I see the ways that it negatively impacts um, the people around me and uh, people that I love is, and the way it negative in, impacts me. So, mm. um, but yeah. Pros and cons. Double-edged sword. Yeah. Actually, I think I first came across you. I think it was through Instagram that I became aware of your music and things like that. So oh, again, cool. like it's very much a case of, um, yeah, Instagram does help us all stay connected as well as like endlessly scrolling through and being like, oh, I just spent far too long. Like, yes, I've just been looking at. Um, yeah. And then with running on fumes, I was kind of drawn to like the keys or the piano side of things. When when you write, do you tend to write on the guitar like with this song in particular yeah did you write on an instrument or write with an instrument I should say yeah um it was all on guitar yeah I, I only write on guitar I think maybe I've written a couple songs on the bass but I I am a very poor keyboard player so um I don't write on the keys so that was Bo um, but, yeah and um I that was something that he he that like piano lick um was something that he came up with um in our in our demo phase and then um, I think when we got into the studio, John has like a ton of, you know, synths and uh, like a B3 organ and um, a ton of fun toys to play with. So I think we sort of pushed in that direction uh, when we were recording it. Yeah. So you said you tend to write on the guitar. Does it really vary as to whether it like the words come out quickly or is it quite a slower process in particular with running on themes? Uh, how did I try to remember how I wrote this song? I think all these songs, this, the words came out pretty quickly. 
Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, I think with this song, what happened is I was experimenting with song forms. And so I wanted a song that had a lot of different parts. Uh, I think I wrote the music and the lyrics sort of together. And then this song, I tinkered a bit with the lyrics afterwards. A lot of times my songs, um, I'll have like a, a seed of a lyric that sort of starts the song. But um, <laughs> yeah, I can't remember what I wrote first for this one. All a blur, yeah. The full song Tangled in the Knots. Um, I love the title. It's very evocative. Do you mind talking about the, the narrative and the story behind this one? Yeah, so this one is kind of about a person who has sort of followed the trajectory of a somewhat stable life, and then it sort of begins to fall apart. So they, they're reflecting on um, the life that could have been, reflecting on a, a past lover and maybe the life that could have been had they pursued that maybe a little more or something like that. Um, And then it's sort of a reflection on this idea of um, time passing and and sort of coming to the realization, maybe too late that you can't really redo things. You kind of get tangled up in in the things, the choices that you've made oftentimes without you really being aware of it. And then you sort of look around, you're sort of tangled up in these knots. I love the title. Do you enjoy coming up with song titles or is it quite like, I know some artists that are like, I hate it. I just hate the pressure of having to come up with a song title or do you enjoy it? Um, I do like it. I've, I've come to like it more um, because I, I like to think of the title as a tool sometimes. Sometimes I'll write from the titles. Um, this one, I think I, I wrote the line, we get all tangled in the knots. And then I was like, okay, I think that that needs to be the title. It's not a a refrain in the song, but I think it felt appropriate, um, sort of encapsulated the theme of the song as a whole, yeah. I met her at a party We connected over Carver Caught her at a campus mixer Asked her if she'd like a partner spent semester nights out driving and tying up our bodies in the seats. And as does the fifth song, In the Dust, which you've kind of spoken about being two young lovers attempting to escape the trappings of, of modern life, talking about modern life, um, by running off to create a life of their own, maybe bravely or maybe foolishly. With this whole storytelling and things like that, is this coming from example maybe of people you kind of know or is this very much a fictional storyline with this one yeah I think I was trying to capture the voice of like a young a young man and um probably a a pressure that that I think a lot of young men feel to sort of be this provider or something like that or like the one who like a hero or something I think it's a very popular notion and I think it's a feeling that I've felt in my life but I really wanted to capture, you know, this this sense of like wanting to be the hero, wanting to be the caretaker, wanting to be a provider. But like this guy really doesn't have it together right now and sort of juxtaposing those two um, realities um, 
think that feeling feels really emotional to me. So maybe it's based off of my own experience, but. (laughs) But self-reflective. Have you um, ever written like short stories or poems aside from songwriting? Yeah, I've written a few poems. Um, In college, I took a creative writing class and I've wrote some short stories in there and revisited those. But I think most of my um, creative output, I feel most comfortable and I I feel like my time is most um, worthwhile with with songwriting. So Mm -hmm. I think if I have an idea for a short story, it's probably going to end up being a song. song. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Is there any practice you do to like continue being a really good songwriter? That might sound a bit ridiculous, whether that's listening to other amazing songwriters or reading books and things like that. Is there anything you practice regularly that you like that kind of helps me with my songwriting? Yeah, I think I'm always listening critically to music. I gravitate towards songwriters that speak to me. And I, and anytime I'm listening to those, that music that speaks to me, I'm sort of critically thinking and, and sort of deconstructing um, mm. how the song is functioning and, and maybe what the artist is doing. Um, I do read a lot. And yeah, I think a lot of times when I'm reading, I'm sort of also hunting for nice words or nice lines or turns of phrases. Yeah. And some of the, sometimes, you know, some of those phrases end up in songs and stuff like that. Yeah, super cool. What kind of music are you listening to at the moment? Like, are there any artists or albums in particular that, yeah, like uh, listening at the moment? Yeah. Um, the Hold Steady is one of my favorite bands. So I listen to them all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I was listening to The Mountain Goats last night. Uh, I was listening to Courtney Marie Andrews, who you had on your show. Yeah, She's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, uh, Dan Reeder. I don't know if you've heard him. Yes. Dan, yeah, I think Boy Genius did like a cover of them. Of yes. Him. Yeah, he's great. Um, kind of has like a Randy Newman feel. I think he was on like John Prine's or is on John Prine's record label. Um, he's great. Uh, Randy Newman as well. I'm like really interested in in um, in like harmonic development right now and sort of the ways that like some of these artists can craft chord structures that will sort of pull and and push and pull and um, have these like really tense moments and then a resolve. So really into that sort of thing. The broken chain link was waiting. We could see it in the evening glow. All those suburban houses can burn. A Swisher sweet snuffed out on the dashboard. Bowie's heroes on the radio. The engine clanks as the tires turn. The sixth song, Coming Home. Can you talk about the, the story behind this one? Yeah, so this one is um, like a conversation between a young person and their parents. And they're sort of calling home. Uh, so, so this young person has, has found themselves in, in some sort of community that teaches the truth. So maybe some sort of cult or something like that. And they call home and, and they're, they keep repeating this f- refrain that I'm coming home, I'm coming home. And then um, by the end of the song, you, you begin to realize that coming home doesn't mean what you thought it meant to them. The um, for you, I guess, like, where was home for you when you were first growing up? Was that in L.A.? Yeah, it, um, it was in Riverside, which is a suburb like east of LA, uh, like an hour and a half 
so this song was kind of influenced by um i grew up in like a religious family and kind of growing up and in sort of coming of age and 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 sort of coming to terms about your my own beliefs and sort of seeing the ways that like maybe I, my beliefs don't really align with some of the beliefs that um, I grew up with. And then it was also inspired by watching a lot of cult documentaries and um, just sort of reflecting on the ways that language is used in mm -hmm. religion and cults to um, sort of coerce people into um, doing things that people in power want them to do. I think also, yeah, with like the 2016 election and, and 2020, um, and just in politics in general, I think it's a similar idea. Um, this idea of like language being used to to mobilize people and get them to do to do things. Um, and so it's sort of a reflection on the, sort of the slipperiness of language, you know, so the 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 refrain, um, I'm finally coming home, it can mean vastly different things, you know, but it's the same it's the same words that are being said. Um, and I think that that can, you know, that happens a lot just in life, I guess, you know. Yeah. How have those conversations been to have? Um, not always existent, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think I'm kind of at the point right now where maybe those conversations aren't always super productive. So maybe not worthwhile all the time. Yeah. Um, Is it quite, I guess, liberating to be able to put it into a song? I think so. Yeah. And I think hopefully maybe people connect with it and um yeah yeah and i particularly really like the guitar solo to like oh yeah the end was that you yeah that was me yeah nice nice at what point during writing it did you kind of have in mind this uh guitar solo kind of from the start um i kind of wanted to do that sort of spaghetti western um mm. sort of guitar thing throughout the song and then that solo in particular, um, I kind of had the beginning written, which is just sort of the melody. And then I improvised like the last half of it. So we, I think we did oh, like wow. six or seven takes. And then that was the one. And we got it. And uh, yeah, it's a really cool. fun solo to play. Yeah. Have you performed it live? We haven't performed it live yet. Yeah. So I got to go through and make sure my chops are up for that one. <laughs> It leads really nicely into the seventh song, Little Light, um, which you've kind of spoken about two lovers trying to find connection and satisfaction in each other despite the ways the world has failed them. What happened with this song in terms of melody or lyrics that came first? I think it was the lyrics. I think the first lyric was the watch your catitude. Uh, oh. What did I say? Uh we were thrift store rats in a state so vultures picked through to piecemeal our own new culture, wearing graphic tees with ironic platitudes like iguana sleep and watch your catitude. Yeah, I, I remember um, just like walking around. My wife and I took our dog out for a walk and, you know, I was just kind of hanging back and just kind of like mulling over that lyric and then kind of 
sort of piecing together um, different parts. And yeah, I think I wrote a lot of this song like without the guitar and then I can't kind of came in and put chords to it. Um, but I kind of wanted this like this pulsing sort of lyrically dense song. And so it was a lot of, I think a lot of the poetry came first mm-hmm. and then the music. Yeah. Yeah. Who would you say have been some of your like lyrical idols, I guess, or lyricists? Uh, yeah, definitely Craig Finn, uh, Lucinda Williams. I like Lucinda mm-hmm. Williams a lot. Um, that song Fruits of My Labor, I think is one of the best songs ever written. Um, Bruce Springsteen. I read a lot of poetry and short stories as well. So, um, George Saunders is one of my favorite, um, short story writers. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Right, no. Um, yeah, I try to ingest a lot, a lot of words. Yeah. I'm seeing Springsteen yeah. this week. The first oh, time you are. Amazing. I know. Amazing. High part. I've said I'm this in jealous. one of other interviews. So this is all I'm going on okay. about at the moment. <laughs> but any opportunity to be like, I'm going to be seeing him. But uh, yeah. have you seen him before? I have not. It's oh. uh, like, yeah, huge bucket list. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. I'm buzzing. So I'm very excited. Meet the right people with the right kind of sadness. You know the right words to give to the madness. Reasons to doubt the educated guests. Of the guys at the door in their Sunday best We were thrift store rats and estate sale vultures Pick through to piecemeal our own new culture Wearing graphic tees with ironic platitudes Like iguana sleep and watch your catitude Hounds tooth hairy Talking of lyrically jam-packed songs and a wonderful song Probably probably my favourite, track number eight, All That I Need um, uh-huh. A young person dealing with the death of a patriarchal figure whom they had fraught and complicated relationship with and kind of asked a new friend to be around for the memorial um what was this song like kind of coming together in terms of the writing and recording process yeah so i think i wrote this song um wrote this song in like one one morning yeah like 45 minutes or an hour songwriting session so it came together really quickly. And then I kind of had a different idea for like the tone of the song, but I just sent over like a, an acoustic guitar demo to to Matt and Bo. And then Matt came back with this like really straight drum beat that kind of sounded, um, you know, almost like Tom Petty or Jackson Brown or something like that. It was just like a really great band moment where it was like, I wasn't thinking the song would go this direction, but I love this. So awesome. And then Bo kind of came in and did these like piano chops, just sort of outlining chords and sort of doing these like little, little licks here Mm -hmm. and there. And it was like, oh yeah, this is the song. Uh, And then I I think after that, I came up with the the guitar lick, um, the, the, um, the guitar hook um, and then the, the solo at the end. So it was like a really great band, like coming together collaboration. It's super catchy. And it was one of the songs that you released before the album came out. I, I think you said maybe four songs or however many you released before mm-hmm. the whole album came out. Um, how do you go about deciding which songs you want to release separately? I think it was just what, what songs are our favorites and what's, what songs I think would hit well. Um, this is definitely one of my favorite songs on the record. It just felt, it felt right. And I think I showed the the album to a few people before releasing it, you know, just sending out SoundCloud links and stuff like that. And, People really like this song, um, so it had to be had to be released first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
the ninth song, Weather Vane Hair, uh, this is it. So, um, conversation between two lovers, and it's featuring Sir Grace Freeman, whose Instagram handle is Gal Musette. Yeah, she goes by Gal Musette. That's her um, her performing name. Right. Or that's yeah. That's what she releases music under. Yeah. So she goes goes under Gal Musette. Um, how did you guys? Yeah, had the collaboration come about? Yeah. So um, I wrote the tune, and I I wanted to have a female vocal on it. And um, Grace has worked with John quite a bit. Yeah. So John has produced a lot of her music, and then she's um, played uh, piano and sang on a few of his uh, projects uh, that he's done. And he was like, Grace would be like really great. She would sound really great with this song. So we sent her um, the track and she just knocked it out of the park. And I couldn't, I couldn't be more happy with how it came out. Have you performed it like together before? Or so did she record her part and then send it over? So you've not actually been in the room singing it. Yeah, she wasn't at the studio. She has um, a little home recording set up that she did for this for this one um we actually haven't performed together but i i have plans that will uh perform together pretty soon so cool do you enjoy um obviously like i said having like female vocals to sing with and also have on the record yeah um this is the first time that we've had well actually on our on our first record we we had um a girl uh named Lindsay playing keys and she sang on one of the songs on our first record but this is the first time since then having a, a female vocal uh, on the record and um yeah i love it i it's so awesome and i i think it um i think it was like a nice uh surprise for people listening to the record you know yeah one of my friends like texted me was like oh my god like this girl singing on your record sounds so good you know yeah so i think that was you know the reaction of a, a lot of people and she's yeah she's so good yeah she's so talented so yeah. very lucky to have her yeah Um, so penultimate song, A Dying Scene. Um, yeah, really like intrigued behind the story about punk rockers. You might kind of going into a little bit more detail. Yeah, so um, I grew up listening to hardcore music. Like, I think the hardcore scene is kind of, you know, maybe, maybe there's music that um, bands that are like nationally or internationally uh, recognized, but there's a lot of like underground, like local scenes. And so when I was in like middle school and um, early high school, that's like the stuff that I was into. Punk. Yeah, like punk and, and hardcore, uh, maybe screamo music or like whatever, you know. Um, and I wasn't like like a rowdy kid or whatever. I'm not going to like make it sound <laughs> like I was this really cool person. But that's the stuff that I listened to. And that's, you know, I would, I would go to those shows and stuff like that. And I think like getting older, a lot of people were listening to stuff that people know about, you know, they're listening to top 40 stuff or they're listening to classic rock mm -hmm. and you can, you, you can name these bands and uh, people know who you're talking about. But like a lot of the music that I was listening to when I was in middle school and um, early high school, it's like they are bands that no one knows. So um, I, I came up with that line. Like we were listening to the bands that no one knows. I think that was this, the first line I wrote for this song. I kind of had it. I think I have it in a note somewhere like in my phone. 
Um, and I've been sitting on it for a while. Like I, I really like that idea of like, and I, and I think that maybe that's a common experience that a lot of people have had with like the internet and file sharing and being able to download music. Um, you're exposed to music that, that isn't stuff that's on the radio. You know, there's other channels to get music. And so a lot of people are listening to bands that no one knows. So I kind of wanted to write a song that was sort of like Bruce Springsteen's glory days, but something that was maybe related to something that I would have experienced, which is like, oh yeah, back in my day, like we were listening to bands that no one knows. And we were going to these shows, like these these shows in basements and and um yeah, it was like awesome. And um this idea of like knowing, you know, punk rock is like three chords in the truth. Um and and when you're young and you know sort of um naive you think you got it all figured out and it really feels like that you know like we found this thing that is like really special and um like we kind of have access to this truth that if people would just listen um <laughs> they would get it you know um so that's kind of the the feeling i wanted to capture in this song who was the first band you ever saw live um i think i saw this band called five iron frenzy which is a ska band and they had a punk band opened up for them, which I forget exactly what the that band's name was, but that was like a big pretty yeah. cool music scene when you were growing up then there's always a lot of live music to go to. Yeah, it felt cool. Um I don't know if it's like if I would stand by it today, but like <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was like so so fun and, and thrilling. And yeah, I remember like walking up to like a KFC um that was up the street from my house and you know there were some like hardcore bands playing in the parking lot of the KFC. <laughs> um, so you know stuff like that where it's like is that cool i don't know it felt really cool it felt really fun and exciting and uh, yeah. thrilling so, yeah yeah i like the idea of having a band at a kfc so yeah them, yeah <laughs> get them more over here <laughs> The last song, Here It Goes Again, a modern person kind of dealing with the anxieties of the current era, which um, feels like, a, a you know, a lot of people I'm sure can can relate to that. What made you put this song last on the record? Uh, it just felt like a, a good, like, closing song. Um, feels like it encapsulates a lot of the feelings of the record and, and maybe the feelings that a lot of people have felt in the past few years. Um, yeah, it just felt right. You know, the, the song, it gets really, gets really big and, and really um, sort of gets like a wall of sound in there, but it, it starts out really slow. And I, I like doing that with records, putting the sort of this ambitious song at the end just felt like, felt like the right thing to do. I think I, I think I always knew it was going to be the last song. Ah, like from the okay. beginning, yeah. Yeah. And at what point in the chronological order did you write this song in comparison of all the 11 songs? Probably somewhere in the middle, maybe yeah. maybe even earlier in the writing process. Um, yeah, it definitely wasn't written last. Um, I wrote it and then I, I think I did I did like a little video video and I posted it on Instagram. And I actually wasn't that sure about the song when I wrote it. I just felt... Um, I mean, I wrote it like mid mid pandemic, early pandemic, and I was really experimenting with writing 
the things that like were around me and not, you know, um, yeah, I think as songwriters, like there's always this like struggle to like write the truth and write, write the things that, um, that feel true, but also like to be poetic and to write things that people can connect with, you know? And so this was like an exercise for me to like write the things that I was like really seeing, um, mm. which kind of ties in with that idea of like the internet, like maybe things that don't feel particularly poetic, but try to make something, try to make poetry out of it. And yeah, I posted like a video to Instagram and a lot of people responded uh, really well to it. So I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, maybe you should go on the record. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's cool. Like listening to, I uh, kind of getting the feedback and then being like, actually, you know what? Put it on the record. And it's a great way to yeah. end the record. Eleven wonderful songs. The the lyrics honestly really do stand out, and um, music that everyone needs to hear. So, congratulations on making such yeah, a great album. Thanks. Um, so it's just some like final games. We just do like quick fire questions towards the end. Um, do you have a favorite song off the album? Uh, it it switches all the time. Um, but I think it's sort of a tie between A Little Light and All That I Need. Nice, nice. Yeah, uh, do you yeah. have a song of favorite lyrics or a particular favorite lyric? Um. I think probably the the final lyric on Tangled in the Knots, which is the world is woven promise while all the edges fray and weather. We get all tangled in the knots of what we find we've tied together. Oh, so good. Um, which song came together the quickest? Um, probably In the Dust. And then there was some tinkering after. Yeah. Okay, nice. And um, which yeah. song took the longest? Probably A Little Light. Mm-hmm. And which are you most looking forward to playing live if you haven't already? Um, I love playing a little light live because I love those guitar solos. There's like a heavy fuzz and an octave pedal and it just like feels awesome to Nice. To I don't know what solos, yeah. any of those words mean, but <laughs> a yeah. heavy fuzz. Yeah, it's just like a um, crazy distortion. Just think like everything feels like it's blown out and broken. <laughs> yeah. yeah okay cool and the last um it's game is called what's the occasion so i give you three different occasions and if you could only pick three different songs off the album for each occasion which would it be so you've got a wedding so if you had to have one song to be played at a wedding oh. a dinner party so i always say maybe someone who hasn't heard your music before and it's an opportunity it's like a dinner party and it's got opportunity for people to be like oh i want to listen to the whole album um and a car road trip so you've got wedding dinner party and a car road trip uh wedding probably in the dust because it's sort of romantic mm-hmm. um and maybe just like emphasize the positive part of it and not so much the you know uh dinner party i would say uh a little light just because i like that song yeah yep. um and i feel like it showcases the lyrical density yeah and then road trip I'll say all that I need because it yeah. kind of has that grooving movement to it. And it got on a playlist called 
indie road trip. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Nice one. Good choices. And um, what have you got coming up future wise? Um, yeah, anything you could tell us? Yeah. Um, we're talking to some venues about playing live cool. out here in LA. No tours scheduled right now. And then I'm always, you know, I'm, I'm working on writing right now. So I'm always thinking about the next project and uh, that kind of keeps me going. What can I do next with this? Yeah. So love it. Have you been over to the UK before? Not necessarily performing, but all personally? Uh, not performing, but I have to visit and I loved it. Oh, cool. Whereabouts yeah, did you yeah. come? Uh, just London. So Wicked. Well, yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed. We'll get you over here at some point performing. Yeah, we'd not. love it. Obviously, everyone can um, follow you on Instagram. That's the main. Is that the main platform you guys use? Yeah, Instagram. Instagram cool. is the main one. Other, we have other ones, but we don't always update them. So yeah, Instagram's the best. Yeah, stick to Instagram. We all like the gram. Um, well, thank you very much, Joel, for coming on and chatting. Yeah. Congratulations again on the album. Something to hold out now. My double, my brother. You should go check it out if you haven't listened to it already. Um, thank you so much and congratulations. Thank you, Lauren. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of LP Uncovered. If you like this one, you can go back and listen to all my previous episodes featuring lots of wonderful musicians. Just head along to wherever you listen to your favourite podcasts and subscribe away. Likewise, you can follow LP Uncovered on Instagram to keep up to date with upcoming episodes. <laughs>